Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 473, recorded live on Saturday, August 14th, 2016. And here are your hosts, the man who played hours of Pathfinder yesterday, Dave Pillay. Hey, hey. And the man who played hours of golf yesterday, Andy Lowe. Hi. Oh, nice. Yes, I literally was outside with my clubs playing golf with the curling club. Very nice. That sounds like a, a pleasant afternoon. Uh, well, it was actually morning. It was, oh, uh... well, pleasant tea morning. Off, yeah, tee-off was like 9 a.m., and it was still, you know, a bit on the rainy side from last night. Oh, uh, you mean the night before? Yeah. Okay. Uh, some of these sand traps were more water hazards than sand traps. Ooh, that's unfortunate. I made breakfast for four people. We had hash browns, pancakes, baked eggs, and bacon. That You know what that sounds like? Huh? That sounds like my slam that I always get at Denny's. Oh, yep. Except my... I, I like to think that mine was prepared a little better <laughs> since it wasn't prepared for Denny's. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Denny's. Uh, quality of ingredients, quality of everything, amount of oil. I, I'm, I'm okay with Denny's. I'm okay with it, but it's not good. I'll eat there. What I really need to do is try their new pancakes. They changed their recipe. Well, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, no, they would be. They'd probably be bad for you. Yeah. So, like the pancakes that I made, though gluten-free pancakes, uh, were nice and light and fluffy because you have to beat egg whites and then fold it into the pancake batter. Is this the one you have to let it sit for a half hour? Uh no, those are the waffles. Gotcha. The bacon was oven baked. So it was nice and crispy without being, like, covered in grease. Hash browns I made in the cast iron skillet, so they had all the flavoring of, like, eight different steaks that I've made in the cast iron skillet in the last two months. Very nice. Uh, The baked eggs was eggs with some black pepper and seasoned salt and cheese that you just throw in the oven. Then there was fresh fruit. That sounds like a pretty decent breakfast. It was friggin' amazing. And the best part is I got it to all time correctly. So that like everything finished at once. Yeah, that's that's the hard part for cooking is the timing issue. Yeah. Well I for this one I actually made a timeline. I said I want everything done here, so when do I need to start them? You know that would be nice to do that, you know, for like Thanksgiving dinners and that sort of stuff. Yep. Well, but in that case, <laughs> Uh, in that case, you have to start thinking logistically, and you have to actually bring in that program that your dad wrote a long time ago, the game. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, because the, the oven, you you have to figure out. What goes in the oven. Yeah, and at what size and what temperature. Yep, if you only have one oven, it's hard to make things that require the oven. You see, we have three ovens, technically. You have the toaster oven and a double oven? Uh, a microwave convection oven and a regular Ooh. oven. Okay. The problem is, though, the fact is the oven here is smaller than our old oven, so some of our pizza pans don't fit it in anymore. Oh, no. And the uh, the basting pan for the turkey also doesn't really fit in the oven all that well. So we're probably not going to be doing any roasted turkey here for a while until we figure this out. No, nope, probably not. So I have another piece of news that's not a topic that... 
Uh, I, I was saving especially for you and especially for Kate. Okay. I just sent it to you. Um, I technically live in the town of Madison right now, as opposed to the city of Madison. And there's there's a difference? Yes. Fitchburg may be taking over the land of the town of Madison. So I might be moving without moving. So your address will change from Madison to, to Fitchburg. Fitchburg. Very nice. We think. We aren't sure. We haven't been notified about it. I don't know if we're part of this land area. I might still be in Madison, but I might be in Fitchburg. That is, I'm looking at the future Madison-Fitchburg boundary, and I'm looking at it going like, this is funky. Uh, but that's the simplified version, Andy. That's the version after they do the exchange. Oh, jeez. You don't want to see what it looks like right now. What you really need to do, though, is just um, Kalamazoo and Portage. It's literally like a straight line, except for Wing Stadium. But I'm guessing your thing right now is also completely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Ours is, is really weird right now. So cool. So you had a good time. Did you uh, make par? Uh, we were playing a four-person scramble. Okay. That's where you put, like, four people down, you all take a swing, and you take the best ball? Yes. And then you move, and then from that point, you all four do it, and you take the best ball? Yes. Okay. Uh, we could not putt to save our lives. Oh, the short game. Yeah, it was literally a short game. The 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 we we first front end. You know, we'd normally be getting on there putting for birdie or putting for par, and we would just two putt everything. It just we could not sink a putt. I felt kind of good though because there was a, there was a couple of par fives on there that they actually took my shot most of the time. So I'm sitting there going like, oh well, nice. I'm sitting here pulling my clubs out of the storage unit where they've been sitting the past six years, eight years. Yeah. Weren't you on the golf team in high school? No. No, no that no. wasn't I, you. Okay. I, I tried out, though, because it was a free round of golf. Ah, <laughs> that's a great reason to try out. Yeah, they, they started to realize that's why a lot of people were trying out. It was just, you know, you got a free round of golf. Cute. Um, so they then they actually started saying, you know, well, if you want to try out, you're going to have to pay at least something for the course. So. Aw. Very nice. Okay. Ooh, cool. I so got to my, play my, uh, my Whip Master in Pathfinder. Whip Master? Yep. I built a character around the concept of using a whip. Now, in Pathfinder, I don't know what it's like in, in D&D, but in Pathfinder, a whip deals a D4 damage, and it is non-lethal damage. It cannot deal lethal damage. And if someone has any armor on, any armor, it cannot deal any damage. So they are, like, useless weapons. But we've, we've found enough little pieces to put together that at level 1, I have a plus 6 to trip, and I can trip from 15 feet. So what you do is you'll be a range guy, drop the guys to the ground, yep. and everybody else will just beat on them like a mad mob. Yep. Plus eight to disarm. Oh, well, that's also helpful. <laughs> it's like, oh no, the big baddie has a giant two-handed axe. Now he doesn't. It's a lot of fun. And then next level, I, I actually get a feat where I can start dealing damage. But And it will be a D6 instead of a D4. That's ridiculous. Yep. It was a lot of fun. 
I don't know. I still like my idea of having the barbarian who doesn't actually want to fight. That, I feel like, has been my epitome character. That one that I want to, every time, you know, we play D&D, oh yeah, I'll be a barbarian who doesn't want to fight. Yep. A pacifist barbarian. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's, it's... <laughs> yeah. I, there, there are plenty of others who play that character. Yeah, no, it's... Because the DM's going to have to figure out, okay, how do I even try and get him into the fight? No, 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 that's not the DM's job. Well, he was trying to, and I'm sitting there the entire time just playing a game of, you're going to try and get me into this fight, but I'm not going to get into this fight. Yeah, that, that's because that, that's not the DM's job. They shouldn't be trying to get you into a fight. If you are pacifist, you should be trying things to resolve the combat without combat. Oh, yeah, no, I tried to barter with them and persuade and all of the yeah sort of thing, well, but I'm that should work. I, I'm an orc barbarian, so I'm not very good with the persuasion. Oh, well, so then that's just so so the player Andy needs to decide if he is trying to be a pacifist or if the character is trying to be a pacifist. There's a difference. Yes, because if the character is trying to be a pacifist, then the player, Andy, should be trying all these other things, knowing that they're failing, but should be doing it in such a way as to antagonize the other player, or the other characters. Basically, you, the player, are trying to get them to hit first. Which, I that happened one of the times. One of the other times, the guy was able to convince one of the mages or something to basically brainwash me. Yep, that's another solution. Um, but if if you, the player have no problems with getting in combat, but you know that the character doesn't want to, then there's tons of ways to get it so that the character gets into combat reluctantly. Yeah, no, the, one of the times was I'm walking up to the guy going, hey, like, with my hands out, like, trying to talk to him, but I don't mm -hmm. speak his language. So, according to him, he sees a barbarian, an orc barbarian, coming up to him, yelling at him with his, your hands waving. Yep. Freaks out and then shoots at me with an arrow, which yeah. at that point... All hell's you you just have to accept you're always going to get hit first. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Which means you are always going to take damage. Yes, but I'm an orc barbarian. I'm planned on taking damage. Yeah. But no, there's plenty of ways to play that where it's not a hindrance at all. It just adds a twist to everything. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. today... Today... fun today? Uh, hopefully as soon as we finish recording, which we probably have got a timeline on. Trying to go see the Ghostbusters movie, finally. Ah, the new one. Yes, the new one. Okay. Well, good luck on that. Well, it all depends on how quickly we can finish an hour. 76 special. No, please don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> My new goal is to make Andy lose track of time. No, I won't do that. I won't intentionally make you lose track of time. It's not like I picked a bunch of topics that I know you can go on and on and on and on. I don't think there's a baseball topic in there. Although, how how is baseball? Is that over yet? No, we're about uh, about a month past halfway. Okay, right, because it ends in like October, somewhere around there, ish, September, October, ish. How are we doing? Oh, uh, once again, we're beating pretty so-so. Okay, middle we had of the a, road. We we yeah, we had a good run there for a bit, but now we've been on a bad run. We're a very hot and cold team. It's a little ridiculous. I have no further comments. On the topic of baseball.
Hold on, I'm looking at the uh, magic numbers. The what? The magic number, the number of games that the team who's leading in first has to win in order to clinch a playoff spot. You've never heard of that? Nope. Because, you know, if you're three games ahead, you know, the other team would have to, you know win technically three more games in order to tie you but if there's only you know four games left then all you would have to do is win two of those the other team cannot catch up right i I understand the principle of it i've just never heard it referred to as the magic number oh well that's a thing okay just so you know we have uh 48 games left and we've done over a hundred games now so we're about two-thirds of the way through the season but yeah there are no baseball topics on there so we can move on to actual topics okay a lot of hacking this week which makes sense given that black hat was just like two or not black hat defcon was like two weeks ago well, there was DEF CON, there's Black Hat, there's a whole bunch of them that are all right around that same time in Vegas. Which is now? Yeah. Yeah. So a few interesting ones that came out of it. Um, if you own a car, you should essentially just be scared. What would you well, like to talk about first, Andy? Well, the one that actually came from the conferences was this uh, VW one that, according to some guys, um, they could basically affect the keyless entry systems of an estimated 100 million Volkswagens, including uh, all the other badges. So like Alfa Romeo, Fiat, uh, Audi, that's all the things that are... No, sorry, not... Alfa Romeo, um, Audi, and Skoda, everything that's also under the VW level. Isn't this the one that we reported about before, though? Like, that they listen in and just steal it? No, these guys listen in, and it turns out um, they did a lot of tedious reverse engineering. Um, oh, they were able God. to extract a single cryptographic key shared among millions of Volkswagen vehicles. Volkswagen used the same key. Technically four keys. Oh, my God. Okay. So they they were going, you know, hunting down these things, and they basically found the master keys. There's only basically four of them, and then they have to listen to your key fob for the other half of it, put those together, and you can get access to a car in 60 seconds. But luckily, the newer cars are okay. The newer cars are okay. Well, they're going to be okay. Right now, the VW Golf 7 is currently immune to this, but older cars are still... Because they're older. And will continue to be, right? Yes. Like, it's not like they're going to update the, the firmware of these old cars. No, they won't. Oh, my God. That's that's awful. So, yeah, the this they use a cryptographic scheme called HiTag2, which is decades old, yet still being used because my guess is it's cheap. No one broke it, and it's cheap. And now they broke it. Volkswagen is just not, not doing so hot. Nope. Damn, this sucks for them. I, I assume that these are the these gentlemen did not um, explain every step to the no, general they didn't. public. The 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 master cryptographic keys they said um, basically they're uh, located in certain pieces in certain cars, but it's not the same in every car. So they didn't say where they got the master keys. They just say like we had to basically do a lot of reverse engineering and finding where the internal component keys are stored. And they didn't they didn't say how they got these keys. They're just saying we got these keys and then we take eight key fob presses and then we put the two of them together and boom, we've got access to the car. Okay, it's kind of creepy and terrifying that they can do that. But thankfully, they are just alerting Volkswagen and saying you need to fix this. 
which like I said, the Golf 7, the newest version, the 2017 model, is immune to this. Yeah, already fixed, as it were. Yeah, no, older VWs, there's a problem. And yeah, like you said, who's going to fix that? It's going to stay a problem. Yeah. God damn it, Volkswagen. Well, it's not just Volkswagen. According to them, this can be used for anybody else who's using the same cryptographic stuff there. God damn it, car companies. Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Oh, car companies trying to get yeah. the cheapest price for everything. So here's a, a uh, slightly stranger hack. Okay. If you listen to the sound of a hard drive, you can transmit data. Wait, what? If you use a hard drive and you have it do uh, the the shifts in the sounds, you can pick it up and you can figure, you can transmit that. So it's not stealing the data from the hard disk, but it's it's transmitting and receiving data by using a hard disk so the idea being if i install a program on your computer that sends it it reads data from the hard disk internally okay and then sends instructions to the hard disk to move and click in specific ways following so far okay so you got a piece of software on there so my hard drive's doing its whole reading thing but you've got another piece of software on there that can cause the hard drive to make noises that can be picked up from a third party thing just by sound right well that's just crazy i think it's 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 understandable it's cute that, that goes along the lines of one of the articles I actually didn't post from DEF CON was a guy talking about some of the like the high-level consumer safes. He was able to figure out what buttons were part of the correct code based off of the electricity that the thing was receiving. Hmm. So if he hit the right button, the system would either you know decide if it was a one or a zero, either being a correct or incorrect number. And there was a different variable amount of electricity used. Oh my God. So he, was, he would be able to go through a code and be like, okay, it'd be like just like Mastermind going like, okay, zero is well, the first start, number. You'd start at the first number, right? You just try yeah. all 10 and you know the first number. Yep, and then you just work your way down to the second number and the third number and the fourth and, and until you've literally used electricity to figure out what the code is. God damn it. Those hospital safes are not safe. Just no. I want to make that no, clear. They are not at all a, a deterrent. In, like, any way, shape, or form. They're all so easy to defeat. Yes, there was a guy who actually defeated one just with a powerful magnet because he knew exactly where the solenoid was inside the safe. Yep, powerful magnet and a sock. Yep, just because you use the sock because that's easier to remove the magnet then. Yep. Oh, man. I'm never trusting a hospital, not a hospital, a hotel safe. These, uh, I'm just wondering, like, what do these hackers do during the normal day? work as a security firm is that what these guys are doing just working as a security firm in the night time then deciding to figure out how to do all the stuff in the background probably that would be my guess oh it's crazy what they can do now they're just probably just doing crazy. security research what's the uh android hack uh it's actually about four hacks that uh, affect the, not Android itself, but the drivers for the Qualcomm chips. Uh-oh. That's a lot of phones. About 900 million Android smartphones have Qualcomm chips inside of them. So, yeah, no, it doesn't actually really affect Android. It's just an attack to go at the drivers. And so, you know, granted, Android will still have to be, because their operating system, it's the go-between between. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's the drivers for the OS. 
Yeah, so, yeah, so Android will have to fix its drivers and then, you know, push it out to everybody. But these guys are saying, like, trying to push out a security update for Android is ludicrous. Difficult. It's difficult. It's not ludicrous. According to them, only 15% of all Android devices have Android 6.0. Yeah. Nearly a third are still on KitKat. KitKat! Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, so since, you know, the drivers are installed by the manufacturers and not installed by Google, you actually will have to go to the manufacturers to talk about this thing, and then the manufacturers are going to have to go to their... And issue an update. Yeah. Yeah. Sprint, T-Mobile, it's not even the manufacturers, it's Sprint, T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon. Which the manufacturers will have to contact the providers in order to push the -the over-the-air updates for your phone. Right. But they'll also have to work with them, because, like... I if if I have my Samsung phone, that's great. It's running Samsung's operating system, but it's running the Sprint influenced version of it. Yes. So Samsung hands their version to Sprint, who then messes with it and make sure it works on their thing, and then they'll be the ones to push out the over the air update. Right. So in this case, the fix from Qualcomm would have to go to the hardware manufacturers who would have to do their testing, who would then have to pass it to the uh, the carriers. And then the carriers would have to do their own testing to make sure that it works. Which That's just terrible. Yeah, no, this whole... and th- That's the one thing Apple has going for it, is the ability to go, okay, this is our baby from start to finish. If there's a problem way back in an Apple driver, Apple yep. can say, okay, this is going to be us to push out the update. They're not going to they're not even going to talk to the providers. They're going to just put it into iTunes. You're going to plug your phone in to sync stuff and it's going to say, "Hey, update. we need to yep. update." Of course, you know, there's other problems with that as yes. people yes, almost there is. found out with iFi. Do you remember iFi? E Y E F I. That's the stuff where you can upload pictures from an SD card, right? Yep, it was a it was an SD card that had a small wireless broadcast on it, and so it would connect to computers or connect to the network, and it would upload your photos automatically. This is before smartphones were everywhere, so it was great because you could take pictures and they'd just appear on the internet. Uh, the company recently said they were going to stop supporting and disable the original two versions. What? So they would stop working. But why? Because it costs money to maintain that. Okay, so where are you going with this? I Well, just that people had no options. Like, they said, we're going to turn this off, and that was that. It was kind of like that house hub that we were talking about, where the people were like, yep, we're just going to shut this thing down. Yep, sorry that you invested all this money in it. Uh, it's going to stop working after this date. Good luck. You know what's kind of funny is I actually recommended the iFi to somebody recently. Ooh. Well, I'll have to I'll have to see if he's uh if he actually went and bought it or not. Yep. You might need to take a look and see what generation it was, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm not sure if he actually bought it or not because he was asking me about it because you know he's got a nice Nikon D20 I think or something like that with all the lenses and that sort of stuff there, but pretty. All the time, you know, he goes out, It's he wants to share the photos with everybody rather than, you know, just having them stuck on the camera. The camera. Yep. So 90% of the time, like, he's taking some nice pictures with his Nikon, but most of the time he's just shooting pictures with his 
Android phone and then just, you know, posting them that way. Yeah, because it's way easier that way. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, it. I, it's like, I can't beat the ease of use of doing this. I'm like, well, there is these SD cards, you know, that could do something along those lines. So I'll see if he actually has uh, started to work on that or not. So do we have any other hacking thing? Oh, yes. The stealing of Jeeps. Jeeps. This was down in Texas. Uh, the guys stole, uh, they know that these two guys stole at least 30, but they think it was might have been up to 100 Jeeps. That's a lot of Jeeps. Well, it was also, uh, I think, other uh, Fiat cars as well. But uh, they would literally go up to the Jeep. If the door's unlocked, they would just go in there, plug a laptop into the OMD, o- OBD2 port, run some software to mimic the key fob, and then just drive away. What? They did what? They, they would they would buy um, oh so I guess first they got access to a database that Fiat Chrysler dealerships you know have access to that list the key codes that pair key fobs with particular yeah. vehicles and so they haven't replicated that yeah so they would go to, <laughs> they would break into the car you know get the information from the, the computer itself look it up on this list mimic the key fob with just a generic key fob and then be able to start the car and drive away. So they didn't send it through the ODB. They read from the ODB too. Yes. They said, this is what the car is. And then they looked up that car. I mean, they probably could have just done it with the VIN. They didn't even need to use the, the ODB. Well, for some odd reason, they were plugging the ODB into or a laptop into the ODB. I don't know why, but I don't know. Yep. But still, it's one of those things where it's like, (laughs) Nice job, Fiat, for maintaining a list of everybody's key fobs. Wow. Yeah, it says here that they, they basically could just find, get a generic key fob, find the vehicle, get the VIN, which is visible from outside of the vehicle. I want to point this out. And then log into the database. And you can reprogram the fob, and you're good. So wait, what? why were they targeting? They were probably targeting unlocked cars, because it's probably easier to do this while you're sitting in the car, rather than, you know, Standing outside. outside of it with a laptop? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dear Lord. Well, how do you, how would you block it? Well, granted, yes, it's the databases. Where's the weak point on this system? Right. Because right. How would you block it and not give people access to that database? To put something in there and be like, look, if you need this information, please contact us with your car's VIN number, and we will get back to you with the correct code. Yep. But, you know, how do you make sure it's the person who's supposed to be asking for it? Oh, you'd have to get... Okay, so this database is for dealerships, independent mechanics, and that sort of thing there. So whatever verification you did in order to give people access to this database, you do that to give them access to the person who actually has access to the database. I don't follow. Try that again. Well, wait, now the more that I think about it, it still doesn't work because then somebody could just, you know... Yep. Someone, if they want to steal your car, is going to steal your car. Very true. Unless it's a manual, because for some odd reason, people have no idea how to drive manuals anymore. There's actually, uh, I think it was on one of the new Fords, like there's actually a little, basically like a door hanger over the knob saying that this is a manual. In order to, you know, drive your manual correctly, make sure you push the clutch all the way in before selecting gear. So do we have something that doesn't make me want to, you know, go off the grid? Yeah, um, they might have broken that impossible security for games. Ooh. No, so, not ooh. That's that should make you want to dig deeper and, and hide. 
It's just as bad as any of the other hacks we've talked about today. Yes, I know. It's one of just because you could benefit from this one doesn't make it any better. No, I'm I'm on the straight and narrow with games now, especially you know when I randomly get stuff from Steam saying like, "Hey, this game is on sale and it's fifty seven cents right now." I'd be like, like, "Yes, please." So. De Nouveau. Is that how it's... I don't remember how we pronounce it. I don't know how we pronounce it either. De Nouveau is the DRM that was attached to a couple games recently like Doom, like Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, and it was pissing off pirates because they couldn't break it, and they couldn't break it, and they couldn't break it, and it's been like eight months, and they still couldn't break it, and they broke it. Well, this was the one that like took a complete catalog of what your system hardware set up and then, you know, said, okay, this is the hardware that's associated with this copy of the game, right? I don't think that's what it did. Is it what it did? That's what I thought it did. I thought it was like, you know, you had to have the exact hardware. I didn't think it was hardware. I thought it was software. I thought it was, uh, the way this worked, if, if I'm remembering right, is it looked at the software files and basically did a validation of the software files before it ran the game. And so if someone had corrupted the software file by altering it, the game wouldn't run. All right, hold on, hold on. When a game is purchased and installed, Denuvo generates a unique key for their computer. So if someone buys a Denuvo-backed game on Steam and uploads their files as a torrent, anyone who downloads it would also need the exact hardware setup as the person who bought it in the first place. Okay. Even if you manage to launch a Denuvo-backed game without the same hardware configuration, the game will become an unplayable mess, according to the article here. Okay. But this is... Did you did you read how this hack worked? Nope. So the the, the hack was actually for Doom. And okay. h- how it worked was the fact that there was a demo copy of Doom released. And so um, the hack was that it would go and download the demo copy of Doom on Steam. Okay. So your account, quote-unquote, owns the demo. Yeah. Well, the problem is the Doom... Um, Does the demo also use Denuvo? Basically, yes. The, for the game, Ooh. the demo and the full game were interchangeable for their application IDs, I guess, or something like that. Oops. Yeah, the Denuvo servers viewed the demo and the full game interchangeably. So the, you would load up the quote-unquote demo, but you would actually be loading up the pirated copy, but it would put the demo ID on there and then say, oh, yep, no, everything's okay. Yep, okay. So you found so, a workaround. Well, they found a workaround, and from that workaround, Conspiracy, the guys who, you know, were going headlong into trying to fix this, yep. uh, basically used that as a jumping-off point to re- completely remove Denuvo entirely from uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's too bad. But no surprise, both of these have been fixed already. Yeah, but like that, I mean, the, the selling point on Denuvo was that it had never been broken. Well, somebody found a workaround. So we'll see what the long-term effects of that are and whether or not companies will continue to use it or if it will just fall away. Well, the actual significant part of this, though, was the fact that it was fixed a few days later. Ooh. So over the period of three days, 650,000 people used this workaround for three days before Denuvo finally fixed it. That's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they call themselves a security company and they allowed 650,000 people over three days. That's that's not being, you know, on top of the ball. Well, I mean, those three days could have been a 72 hour marathon of, oh, my God, how do we fix this? 
True. That is true. And you know, if they would just, you know, shut down everybody's access to it, there'd be a lot of, oh my God, why is my game not working? Yeah, they, like they can't do that. So with the fix, the question is, do the, did that stop the pirates? Like, can they no longer play the game? Well, the guy who found this workaround told me that he found another loophole for Denuvo, so he's, you know, he hasn't figured it out exactly, but supposedly the cat and mouse game is still going on. Yep. Speaking of cat and mouse games, this one's an interesting one. Facebook and Adblock Plus. Huh. So this is Facebook saying, we are getting tired of people showing up to this webpage and not generating us money. So Facebook took steps to block users of Adblock Plus. Well, not block the users. They just basically re redid their ads so they were indistinguishable from actual regular content. I really don't like that. No, so Facebook's like, all these people are using Adblock, so we'll just, you know, hide our ads in with the regular content so Adblocker can't find anything to block. I really don't like that. Which then Adblocker said, we're disappointed that Facebook is doing this, so we'll see how long it takes. And I guess within, like, you know... Took them a day. A day. Suddenly it's up and running again. But then Facebook, you know, fired back going, well, we'll see what you did here, and we'll just, you know, work around your workaround. And it's just been back and forth and back and forth. And I'm sitting here with my uBlock origin going, I don't notice anything. Well, I mean, uBlock shouldn't be able to, to see this stuff either. It works the same way as Adblock. Are you sure you're not seeing ads, Andy? Oh, I'm definitely, I would know where, hold on, let me, okay, I've got it up and running right now on Facebook. Let me yeah. turn it off and reload the page. Oh, look at all those sponsored ads. Okay. And we're turning it back on again. Yeah. Also, I'm staring at somebody who made some pierogies and a couple of steaks, and oh my gosh, that looks tasty. I'm looking at a coworker that just got married, and I didn't know it. Mazel tov. Yeah, I'll have to tell him congrats when I see him. Let's see what's in these pierogies. Off of Facebook. All right, I'm moving off of Facebook. Off of Facebook. So I know this is not on the list, but I'm actually trying to find the link for it. Delta Airlines last week had basically their whole system grind to a halt. Yes. The worldwide, worldwide outage. outage. Do you know how many people were late to their class? Last week when I was training because of this full worldwide outage. Oh, my God. It was it was terrible. But I, I just I can't believe it. It was supposedly just because one computer had a power outage. Was that the cause? They, they say a power outage in Atlanta at about 2.30 a.m. local time is said to be the cause of the outage. Well, but that doesn't necessarily mean a computer. That could be a server farm. Yes, that could be a server farm. But still, if you... One power outage in Atlanta was enough take, to bring down Delta Airlines. Yes, the whole whole kit and caboodle. Yep, everything. Took four days for Delta to recover from it. To get everyone where they need to be? Yes. Well, yeah, because every minute the planes are on the ground, I mean, you're putting yourself further behind. If I lose one minute here, well, the next flight and next flight and next flight and next flight are all delayed. Okay, here we go. There's, there's been an update. It uh, looks like from Friday. Uh, so there was a small fire at its data center in Atlanta. That would be a problem. Yeah. Um, Monday morning, a piece of electrical component and its Atlanta headquarters failed. 
This That led to a shutdown of the transformer providing the power to the airline's data center. The system moved to backup power, but not all of the servers were connected to that source. Oh. Oops. Oh, no. Which led oh. to a cascading failure problem. So it brought back some of the servers. But some, I'm guessing some of the servers were trying to access things on other servers that were not powered up, and that just caused problems. Oh. Really? It was... Yeah. Fire in the data center. Took down a worldwide organization. Delta's CEO said on Wednesday that he knew that they had to make technology upgrades, but we did not believe by any means that we had this type of vulnerability. Which I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, like, were there techs saying, hey, guys, we need more power. Hey, guys, we need more backups. Were there technicians at that ground level saying, this is going to be a problem. This could be a problem. We really need to take care of this and just never got permission or money to do it. That's what it probably is. is they probably are just like, oh, well, everything's running fine. Why do we need, you know, more money for more back? We have backup power. Well, well, but that that's the question, right? Is it just that they were saying, oh, no, we're fine? Or was it uh, no one noticed the problem? Well, they, they said that they knew that their technology needed to be upgraded, but they didn't expect this much. So Right. Well, but that's, I mean, everyone's technology always needs to be upgraded. True. So, again, it's the question of did people notice this and were turned down, which would be catastrophic, or just no one noticed? Um, okay, Delta earlier this year named a new CIO and has brought in new leaders for its information technology and infrastructure team. So, I supposedly, bet. they put new people in charge this year. Oops. So... They're stuck, by the way, because it's, it's always interesting to look at publicly traded companies when someone fucks up like this. Uh, went from thirty seven sixteen to thirty six thirty five. It dropped almost a dollar overnight. Oh, jeez! And then it started to come back up, and now it's gone back down. <laughs> oh, poor Delta! Ooh, poor Delta! Holy shit! I'm looking at their one year. Uh, uh, it's a cutthroat industry, the airline industry. Now it seems. I guess so. Right, so no surprise, SpaceX did another launch Yay. and once again successfully recovered their rocket. Was this the one that they were reusing? Uh, no, that's going to be later in the fall. Okay, because I know they're reusing. Yes, they are planning to reuse one this year, but this is not the one yet. Okay. They're saying either September or October is the plan to relaunch the Falcon 9 that they landed in April. We have uh, high hopes for this. Yes, this is now, what, six Falcon 9s and the fourth one on a drone ship, which I feel like, I know, supposedly it's the easier one because it's less fuel, but still, like, trying to land it on a ship in the ocean? It's not easy. No. Definitely not easy. So they launched another satellite. Yes, they did launch another satellite. How's Blue Origin doing? Because SpaceX is getting all these deals with NASA, and NASA is actually using them. So Blue, what's up with Blue Origin? Blue Origin, is that uh, Jeff Bezos' thing? Yeah, or no? I think so. Which one's Falcon? Falcon is Elon Musk. Yes, that's yeah, SpaceX. Blue Origin is, is Jeff Bezos. Um, like, I know they're launching stuff, too, but I don't think they're launching satellites yet. I don't know. 
they're doing suborbital space stuff. So it seems they're on the, <laughs> I think, I think maybe they've kind of given SpaceX the big stuff and they're dealing with the smaller stuff. I can't imagine that's fully true, but it could be. A central I guess objective. I can't imagine it, but. Yeah, the central objective of the company is creating a commercial suborbital space tourism vehicle. Is what they want to do? Yes. The new Shepard capsule gets at least 62 miles above Earth, exposing payloads to microgravity conditions for about three minutes, and then they come back to Earth. <laughs> Wee! And, you know, SpaceX is... Let's see, how high was this last flight? Uh, 20,000 miles. That is a lot more than 60 miles. Yes, that is a lot more than 60 miles. 20,000 miles. Good lord. No, wait, wait, sorry. That's how the far the satellite's going to go. Um, okay. Like that is, that's really far out there. Yeah, no, sorry. I was re- misreading the wrong part of it. It's still, they're going up to a geostationary transfer orbit, which is pretty high. How far is the moon? 230,000 miles. Almost 240. Um, does not see how high it actually went. I'd have the to SpaceX. parse. I'd have to parse the live stream, and I really don't want to do that right now. No, no, definitely not live. Um, oh, some other kind of upsetting news. Now that we've talked about something good and fun and happy, that okay. SpaceX is is making more progress. Um, this is the 30 year anniversary of Metroid. Okay, which is great, fantastic game, and someone has been working for the last like eight years on a remake of Metroid 2. It's called AM2R. Stands for Another Metroid 2 Remake. Okay. So Metroid 2, did you ever play Metroid 2? I have not played any of the Metroid games. God damn it, Andy. I know, there is a large gap of classic gaming in my history. Didn't I get you a, a Nintendo controller so that you could play these games? I'm literally now holding that controller in my hand. And right next okay. to it, yes, is the Xbox controller as well. Okay. So you're, you're going to go play these games at some point. I suppose what I really need to do is actually get some sort of hookup for the TV for it. Because sitting in front of the computer playing it, eh. Just put it on a laptop and stream it to the TV. Could do that, yeah. Yeah. So Metroid 2 was for the Game Boy. Uh, and it involved a lot of exploration. It's a really good game. This gentleman has spent the last eight years learning how to program and building a remake of Metroid 2. And posted it. I mean, he's been posting demos and updates and demos and updates and demos and updates for the whole process. And he posts it finally. He says, it's, here is version 1.0. I finished it. It's done. Here you go. I've played it. It is excellent. It is very tight. It is nicely programmed. I like it. It makes it feel like Metroid 2 being remade. And Nintendo has issued DMCA notices on all the sites hosting that file. Uh, It's actually cease and desist rather than DMCA, but same difference. Yep, cease and desist. No, it's a DMCA. Read the update. Update, 1.47 p.m. The post originally stated... Oh, oh, sorry, it is a DMCA. Yeah. My bad, I read that backwards. Yeah. Dyslexic moment. He was. He did not get a cease and desist. No one has been given a cease and desist. It's been a DMCA. But there have okay. been DMCA takedown notices. And so his response was, 
Nintendo doesn't want this out there. I've had a lot of fun and, you know, hard times, and I've learned an incredible amount, but I'm stepping back and taking it down. Years. Sometimes it's the journey and not the destination. Wasn't there a Pokemon game released as well? There was. Almost exactly the same thing. Yeah, this guy's been working since 2008. Oof. I actually asked him years and years ago to come onto the show, and he said, I'd love to, but my English is terrible. I've had some of those with the the PAX 10 people are like, I'd love to do it, but I don't actually speak English. Yep. I'm like, okay, that probably would not work for an audio I imagine podcast. His, his English is much better now, but um, yeah, so Pokemon has a very similar story. There's a fan-based Pokemon game named Pokemon Uranium. Now, think of it like, so it's Pokemon Red, Blue, and then they went to Emerald and Ruby and Silver and Gold, and so they kind of just kept upping the ante, and so this group made a fan game called Pokemon Uranium, and same thing happened. They were not explicitly given a cease and desist. Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, which is the actual company that owns Pokemon, have not gone to them and said, you must stop doing this. But they have issued takedown notices. And so the game developers, the group that were building it, said it is clear that the wishes of the company is that this be taken down. Therefore, we are taking it down. It had been downloaded 1.5 million times. That's ridiculous. Granted, all this Pokemon Go stuff makes me actually want to try and play Pokemon again. Yeah? And just not worry about catching them all. I just want to actually beat all the gyms. (laughs) Yep. I saw a... uh... (laughs) So one of the the Pokemon speedrunners, his name is Shenanigans... And he he knows a lot of the glitches in the game and has been able to, to work with the community and they found he beat Pokemon Green in four minutes. What? I have a feeling he uses some exploits there or some There was a little bit of a glitch. Um, it's like that computer assisted glitch for Super Mario Brothers that, you know, beat the game in what? Two seconds. Point, like two seconds? Yeah. Under two seconds. That will probably be the last uh record to be set. For that game, I don't, I don't think you can actually beat that at all, because that was the boot time of the game. Uh, no, in, in Pokemon Green, he goes and um, he swaps his item. He swaps his Pokemon with an item, and so the game gets a little confused, and then he basically uses that to jump to the end. Yeah, no, I probably would want to just play the regular Pokemon. Okay. But speaking of Pokemon, this is the perfect lead-in. There is a couple who's trying to do a class action lawsuit against Niantic and Pokemon Go because I literally, it is, get off my lawn. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn is basically what their lawsuit is saying. So they are upset because what? Is their house a Pokestop? No, they live across the street in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Yes, this is a Michigan family who is suing Pokemon. Um, They say it used to be a quiet spot where, you know, residents could go for a stroll. But now that the park is a major Pokemon stop, they have been, uh, they say uh, the park is now uh, a safety threat. And the couple actually does not feel safe sitting on their porch. Because there's a bunch of people staring at their phones? They say they have been threatened by Pokemon Go players who hide in the bushes at dusk and return to the chase after police close the park after because the police are now coming in and closing the park at sundown and ticketing people who don't leave. So people just hide. And then once the cops leave, they come back. Okay, see, that's not cool. That's no, that's trespassing. 
If the park is closed, the park is closed. Although if it's a public park, I don't think it's supposed to close like that. Well, there are there there are parks here in Portage are public parks, but they say that the park uh, you're not allowed to trespass after sundown. Like the park is closed after sundown. Okay, well if that's the way it is. So they there probably is a rule stating there that the park is should not be accessed after dark. It's more of a thing to try and keep the homeless people from congregating there. Um, yeah, so the, the visitors to the park fail to respect the rules of the private neighborhood next to it, parking in front of driveways, trespassing on manicured, well-manicured gardens, and peering into windows. Okay, I'm not sure that last one's actually true. Peering into windows? She also said in one instance that if she asked a player to leave her property, she was told to shut up or else. Okay. That's stupid yeah. on the part of the player, but that's that's the player. That's not the game. No. So, yeah. This, the filing accuses of Nintendo and Niantic of creating a nuisance that the companies have used for their own profit. The couple eh. seeks a class action law status to represent all property owners in the U.S. who have faced similar difficulties with Pokemon players. Um, they're welcome to try. They're probably going to lose. Like, really hardcore going to lose. Yeah, they said they have submitted multiple requests for the removal of Pokestops and Pokemon gyms placed near their home since July using the request form, but they've just received generic replies thanking them for their report, which I have a feeling Niantic is probably overwhelmed like they were with Ingress. And with it's requests. Gonna, it's going to be a couple of months before they actually get a response. Yeah, well, especially because they've now opened it up worldwide. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, it's not the game's fault. It's the oh. Are you gonna say I can? It's, it's I can the feel for them. Fault? Well, I feel for them. I mean, you know, get off my lawn is one thing, but like, shut up or else is another. Yeah, no, it's it's got to be the people playing the game. That's yeah. Uh, game is supposed to be fun. Don't trespass. Don't be dicks. And it's, it's the Will Wheaton easy. rule. That's you just got to do the Will Wheaton rule with just like don't that, be a dick. Yeah, that warning screen that you get. Like, be aware of your surroundings. Just like remember Will Wheaton's rule. Don't be a dick. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yep. Okay, we should move to the randoms. Okay, to the randoms. Oh, it's my review, isn't it? Yes, it is your review. I got Sorry. a new phone. You got a new phone. Is this I got a new phone. Coming from our conversation last week where we discussed the positives and negatives of the uh, Samsung Galaxy Note 8. Yep. Seven. 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 They didn't skip two numbers. No, they only skipped one number. So I went to the store and I chatted with the, the technician behind the counter and said, I'm looking for a phone. He's like, okay, what do you want? And I said, I don't know. Probably the S7 Edge or the Note 7. He said, go with the Note 7. I said, okay, why? And his response was the Note Pen. So the pen is amazing. The pen is wonderful. I miss it so much because I switched over to LG and so I don't have it. And I said, yeah, but, you know, is that worth the, the extra cost? And we talked and we talked and I said, well, I'm I'm still not really sold on the pen. He said, okay, then don't get the Edge. Go down to the S7. I said, what? He said, the Edge is just gimmicks. Yes, yes, it is. That it's it's something that was fun. It's cute, but it's not actually worth it. And so I said, okay, well, based on that advice, I will go down to the S7 normal. So I have that. Um, and I, I have a case for it. 
a UAG case. It's actually a very nice case. I looked at some of the cases because they had a special. Like, if you buy a case that's under $50, they will throw in a screen protector oh, that's and nice. raise it and put it at $50. So it's not throwing in, but it's giving you a discount. Yeah. So I got the I got like a thirty nine dollar case, and so they threw in the screen protector to bring it up to fifty. Uh, the case is actually really nice, but I was looking at some of the other cases, like the ten dollar cases. I said, "How much protection does that actually afford?" He said, zero. It's there for peace of mind. It's there for people who think they have protection but don't. And I I like it. I have zero problem with Samsung's uh, OS on this. I mean, there's there's a few apps that I'd like to be able to get rid of that I can't, but it's nothing as egregious as back on the S3 where it was like the entire system. Yeah, where there was a Samsung app for everything, and it was always the default one. It was, oh. Yeah. Uh, it's snappy. It's responsive. The camera is amazing. Oh, yeah. No, the camera on Kate's, because Kate has literally your phone. Yeah. The camera on that thing is... is it's blows, gorgeous. It blows mine out of the water. It's gorgeous. The screen is nice. And am I correct in in remembering that they have a new technology on the screen where it can activate individual pixels but leave the screen off? Um... I remember us talking about this. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening because it has the clock when the screen is off. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it's only those pixels that are actually active when the screen is off. Oh, I don't doubt it because the the battery stuff that they do with the S, even the S5, S7, the battery stuff there is crazy. The power saving modes and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I like having the newest version of Android. Well, near newest version. I like it's just so snappy. It's, I'm, I'm very happy with this purchase. The, the one downside I have right now is that between the case and the screen cover, the screen cover doesn't actually cover the whole screen. And so there's a little bit of edge that's unprotected, which is fine. I don't care about that. It's that apps that require you to drag from the side of the screen because of the case. I have a very hard time doing that. Ah. But everything else on this phone has just been has been great. So if you are looking to move up, if you are still on, like, the LG G3 or G4, uh, this is a pretty good phone to jump to at this point. Well, I'm sitting at my S5 with, I think I actually just paid off recently. I was actually going to probably wait until the 8 came out and take a look at that one before I decide to go yeah, up I again. Mean, you might as well. It's only six months away. Yeah, no, at this point, it's just like, eh, it's six months. I can hold off on that. Uh, yes, the always-on display is available with the S7, which is the individual pixels. Nice. So that is what the clock does. Very nice. The S7, no, I heard many good things about it, even people who have the Edge. I've had Kate said a couple of her people love the Edge aspect of the 7, but I don't see it. I've really enjoyed this uh, this phone. Oh, and according to Kate, you actually can't put a case part on the edge part, so it's not as secure. Yeah. And I have dropped my phone many times, and that's been that is sad. That is true. If you have the edge, you cannot protect the edge. Now, I'm not going to, you know, do an OtterBox Defender. That's slightly overkill, but... So you like the you like the 7? I do. I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. Well, that's good to hear. Kate also likes the 7 as well. Cool. Yeah, I haven't had a, really any problems with it at this point. Of course, I just got it like a week ago, but no problems yet. I did also use it as an opportunity to uh, reset, as it were, 
So it yes. asked, you know, do you want to download all your apps from your previous Google phones? And I said, no, no, I do not. Yeah, it's actually one of the things I do before I even get rid of the old phone is I go through there going like, well, I don't remember ever using that app. We'll delete that one. We'll delete that one. Delete that one. Yeah. No, I just went through fresh, completely fresh. Because then you finally realize what apps do you actually use? Well, every so often you get an app that you use once and then it's still there and you're like, I might use it again. But sometimes no. Sometimes no. Okay, random topic. Yes. Is Michigan more like Canada or more like Texas? Which I'm sitting there thinking northern Michigan. There's a lot of areas that are very Canadian, especially, you know, like Sault Ste. Marie, which is basically Canada. The UP is basically Canada. Well, Canada's population is 35 million. Texas is 200 and... No, uh, Texas is 27 million. Michigan is 10 million. So in that way, it is much more like Texas. Which, you know, we are a very farming-based agriculture, which is a lot like Texas. A lot like Texas. Uh, Michigan's square footage is... Uh, almost a hundred mi- uh, hundred thousand square miles. Texas is two hundred and seventy thousand square miles. Canada is three point eight million square miles. So again, closer to Texas. I'd say the average climate of Michigan is probably closer to the average climate of Texas than the average climate of Canada. Really? Given how much of Canada is within the Arctic Circle? Oh, yes. 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 No, but... Not Ontario. Canada. Well, I'm just... I picture Canada mostly where the population is, which I think was some crazy fact that 90% of the population lived within, like... 50 miles of the U.S. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But that's, that's not the question. No, it's just, is Michigan more like Canada or more like Texas? I... Michigan itself, I'd say, is far more like Texas. Now, the people in Michigan, the Michiganders, or Michiganians, whichever they prefer. Michiganders. That's, yeah, that's what I usually go with, but I I have heard people prefer to be called Michiganians. Those people need to not be in Michigan. Okay. Uh, They are probably more like Canada than like Texas. Granted, no joke. I was driving back from our station up in Holland, passing through farming communities, <laughs> and I saw a pickup truck, you know, with oversized wheels and, you know, the big smokestacks instead of a tailpipe, and it had, you know, two Confederate flags hanging off the back. Oh, there, there definitely is that. So there, there is, there is some Texas up here. That's, There's, well, I don't that's know if that's certain. Texas or like Kentucky and South Carolina. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no. Well, you got to think of Texas also. You have, you know, the, the the Houston, Dallas area, which is very Democratic, and then you have the rest of Texas. You mean the the Austin area? But you're right. Austin, Austin, Dallas, and Houston is the triangle there. Yeah. And then beyond that triangle is the rest of Texas, which is kind of you know similar to Michigan. So I, the more I speak this in my head, when I first heard this question, I'm like, well, of course Canada. But now the more that I speak it, it's Texas, which is surprising to me. Yep, we are definitely more like Texas. 
Yeah, no, I might have to agree with that one. Well, that was a surprising answer. Yeah, as a state. Now, just, just to be clear, it's the state of Michigan is more like the state of Texas. The people in Michigan are more like Canada. I want to make that clear. Well, I'd say east side. East side of Michigan is more like Canada. West side is, West more, side like is Texas. more like Texas. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Yeah, no, I feel like that's the answer right there. Well, on that note, I got a movie to go see. Okay, so enjoy your movie. That's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. <laughs>